chapter 14, 12 through 24. He said also to the man who had invited him, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat the bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to them, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, What you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to his servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, um, we come to you tonight. I want to thank you for each of the people in this room. Um, I want to thank you for friendship and the reason we're all gathered here. Um, you are a great friend to us. Um, I want to thank you for Chris Horn. Um, please use his words tonight for um, your greater good. Um, be with us this next week um, as we go throughout school. Um, let us rest um, and take time to reflect. Um, we love you. Amen. Uh, welcome um, to RUF. Good to see you guys. Uh, I know this is like the week where things are actually starting to happen. Because like I came to park on campus, there was like nowhere to park. I guess that means people are at the library, so I know it's starting. So I appreciate you guys taking the time um, to be here tonight. A special welcome to you, as always, if you're new or this is one of your first times. It's our great pleasure to have you here as a guest. I hope you'll find um, a community of friends here. Uh, Whether you consider yourself a religious person or a Christian or not, we hope that you feel very, very welcomed here. Um, This semester, we are studying these stories that Jesus told. Uh, called parables, uh, the parables that, the, that Luke records in his gospel. And the parables are, are these stories, as we said, that where Jesus uses something very ordinary that we can see and understand, like farming or coins or tonight a party, to show us something that we can't see, like a greater spiritual reality that we can't see on our own. And as we start each week, we, we're kind of asking this question, what is the hidden thing that Jesus wants us to see? Um, it's kind of like my kids, as you just saw, um, obviously they love Where's Waldo. I'm sure you get that from your first impression of them. Um, actually, the other night, I went upstairs and it was 10.30 and the light was totally on. And my one daughter, who was crying, was totally asleep and the other one was doing Where's Waldo. Um, at 10.30, just to keep sharp, you know. Um, and uh, so each week we're kind of looking in, in this passage and saying, like, what's the hidden thing? What's Jesus trying to show us um, that we can't see? And uh, so let's just dive in there and just look at what, what's the hidden thing that Jesus is talking about. 
Um, Jesus is at a dinner party, okay? Charlotte, thank you for reading, Charlotte. Um, if she had started at the beginning, you would see of this, of this chapter that Jesus is at a party at, the, at a ruler of the Pharisee's house, okay? He's at a really nice dinner party. These people are very important people. They're very important religious and cultural people. Um, these are the people that could get you somewhere socially, that could give you a sense of um, upward mobility. But Jesus, uh, if you read the Gospels, and I hope you will, um, Jesus is always, like, right when he comes up to a moment where he could, like, make a connection that would, like, get him some sort of social respect, he always gives what I call the velvet middle finger um, to the crowd, um, where, like, these are the people that have connections, and he's like, it's soft and true, but he's still, like, offending them. He's, like, poking them right in the eye like, on purpose. And, uh, and eventually, this kind of behavior is actually going to get Jesus uh, killed. And uh, tonight, he, he comes to this, to, uh, in, in this passage, he comes to this party. It's a very nice party. And he basically tells the story. He says, hey, look, when you guys have a party... You shouldn't invite any of the, these friends that you like, that you feel really good about yourself. You should invite all the unsavory people that are poor and have special needs. You should invite those people to your party. And in a sense, he's flipping them off. He's saying, I don't care that you invited me into your party that's supposed to be so, um, where I'm supposed to feel so honored to be here. Um, because in the old world, dinner parties were very important. There was no, um, uh, what's the thing even called, LinkedIn. Okay, If you wanted to network in your community and you wanted to gain stature and respect, you wanted your business to do well, what you would do is you would invite someone over to your house for dinner that was an important person. Okay, So someone in the community that could like really get you connections. And they would be obligated to invite you back over to their house. See how this works? If you're from the Deep South, I know you guys are from North Carolina. I grew up in middle Georgia. We consider, consider people from North Carolina Yankees. Um, so I understand there's a bit of a cultural difference. But if you grew up in a Deep South community, it's very similar. You, do, you entertain to get something, to get some kind of respect. So you would, you would ask someone to dinner. They would have to reciprocate and offer you an invitation to their house. And therefore, you would look important. And you would meet the right people. The people at these parties were always the right people that could connect you to others. And Jesus basically says, this whole thing is a crock. This thing is a sham. I'm not honored to be here at your party. I have no interest in making connections with you. So he says this really awkward thing. You can imagine being at this party. He says this really awkward thing. Like I said, he gives the velvet middle finger to everybody in the room. And, um, but he mentions at the end of it, hey... You know, she says, invite these people and you'll be rewarded at the resurrection of the just. And I guess it's such an awkward moment that like one of these particular spiritual religious guys is like, hey, you said something about the resurrection. Man, heaven's going to be awesome, right? You know, it's like, how about those Panthers? You know, it's like kind of like change the, the subject. He says, um, he says, uh, one of the guys heard, he says, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. He's talking about heaven. Throughout the Bible, uh, we started our community groups this week, and what I love about what's going on in our community groups is we're learning that the whole Bible is about this one story of Jesus coming to rescue his people. And the end of the story, always throughout the Bible, is that when God comes and brings in his kingdom, it's going to be a huge party. It's going to be a gigantic dinner party. It's going to be a wedding feast. That is where history is headed. The apex and the end of, the, of history as we know it and the coming of God's kingdom is going to be a huge 
blowout dinner party, the likes of which we cannot even imagine. So this guy brings up heaven. He brings up the dinner party, and Jesus goes, you want to talk about the dinner party? You want to talk about the big banquet that's going to come? Let me tell you a story about that banquet. The hidden thing that Jesus is talking about is the great banquet that's coming in heaven where God's people go. And what Jesus wants to show them is who's going to be there and who's not going to be there. Okay? And that's, that's all we're going to look at tonight. Who doesn't show up to the party and who does show up to the party at the end of the world? Um, so he tells them this parable. Now, who doesn't show up? The master invites, if you look in the parable, he invites important people that he's supposed to invite. Okay, People that have means, people that are owning land, people that are getting married, things are going well for them. He invites these people to his party, but literally none of them come. Okay, What they would do, this is a little history lesson, I know you guys are a little tired, but uh, you would send out an invitation... And people would indicate that they were going to come, but you had to get all this like animals together and slaughter them. Okay, it's not just like throwing on some Nathans, you know, on the grill for people to come over before the game. You know, you had to like have animals, you had to slaughter them, you had to cook them. So the first invitation would go out, people would say, we're coming. And then the second invitation would go out and you say, hey, the food is ready, everyone come on over. And when the guy sends out his servant, everybody tells him, we're not coming. Okay, the one guy has a field that he just bought. I, sorry, dude, i got to go check out this field that I bought. The other guy bought five yoke of oxen. Got to go check out these oxen, because you know how oxen are. Uh, if you don't check them out. Um, the other guy just got married. These excuses all sound fairly legitimate. Like, these are important things to do. But they would not have stopped you from coming to the party. Surely you saw the field before you bought it, unless you're an idiot, Right? Um, yeah, I'll just take that field and I'll check it out after you take my money. Um, he's already seen the field. He could also go see the field, I don't know, tomorrow. The guy bought the oxen. He could go check out the oxen tomorrow. The guy got married. It's like, dude, you're not, you can't possibly be having sex all the time. Um, take a break. Come to the party. Your wife will love it. Um, these are all legitimate sounding excuses. But they're really lame. What these excuses really are, are like, I'm going to say I'm doing something because I actually just don't want to come to your party. This is the equivalent of, it's not you, it's me. Which always means, it's not you, it's me not liking you. Um, If you've ever said that, God have mercy on you because that's what that actually means. What these guys are saying, look man, it's not you, it's me just not wanting to come to your party. Um, They have excuses, but they just don't want to come. And Jesus is showing us a couple things here. First, if you're here tonight and you've ever struggled with the Christian faith, and that's probably most of us, um, I know I have. Maybe you're here tonight and you just don't really buy this Christian thing. Man, we're so super glad that you're here. Um, and that you've taken the time to just come and listen. That means a lot to us. Um, But one of the things that people tend to have issues with is the fact that Christianity is not a universal religion. It's actually a fairly exclusive religion. You know, Jesus is saying, look, there's going to be a banquet at the end. Some people are going to be there, but some people aren't going to be there. And that's really difficult to buy. And I think we all just struggle with that, that just everyone just doesn't get in, right? Um, But Jesus is showing something that's really important. 
I don't want us to miss this. Jesus is saying, look, if you're not at the party, it's not because you weren't welcome, and it's not because you weren't invited. If you're not at the party, it's because you had something better to do. That you had an excuse for why you couldn't be there. The reason why these men don't come to this banquet is because they felt like there was something more important for them, something more worthy of their time, and so they don't go to a party. It's a party. The, the, the invitation is open wide. Jesus says, anybody that comes to me, I will not cast them out. If they come to my party, I will welcome them in. But we make excuses that we think sound legitimate. But at the end of the day, it's just like, God, it's not you, it's me. Just not wanting to go to your party. Um, and I, I think of this when I talk to people and they're like, Ugh, Christians are the worst. And I'm like, I know, because all of you cool people like just have too many other important things to do. Like, you won't come into the party. You know, like, you guys have so much going for you that, like, all this, the rest of us lame people are in the church. If you would just come, we could potentially be cool. Um, But you won't. The gospel says that the ultimate dinner party at the end of the world is open for all. That means anybody in here tonight, the party is open for you. God wants to party with you. He wants, to walk, he wants to throw a feast for you. And we're all invited, but the folks that don't come in all make excuses. Um, so that's who doesn't show up. These guys, they're too important. They have too many important things to do. They don't come in. They make excuses. But who does show up? Literally everyone turned them down. Can you imagine, like, you were having a party. You invited friends. You, you invite the friends that you want to come. It feels like a reach. You know, like, they probably won't. But then you invite, like, safe friends. Like, they'll definitely come. They don't have anything better to do. And then imagine it's like you're just sitting there. You got, like, the dip. You know? You, like, made a special cocktail if you're of age. And, uh, you know, you got the game on. The bachelorette is on. And, uh, and just nobody comes. So nobody comes to this guy's party. And so he tells the sermon, look, just go out into the street and find somebody that will come. He says, go get, what, what, how does he put it here? Um, he says, go quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. He said, go out and find the people that our culture, set, people that are poor and people that are disabled and people that are oppressed, the people that our culture has no space for and bring them in to my party. Um, nobody knew what to do with these people. They, they didn't feel like they could give them something, so they pushed them to the margin of culture and just said, just eke out a living out there. Or worse, they said, you're cursed. Don't come near me. Go out into, and live in the streets. And this guy says, bring all these poor, undesirable people. And then he says, there's not enough poor, undesirable people in the city. There's still room in my house. This has got to be a huge party. I will not settle for a small party. This is going to be a blowout. I slaughtered just way too many animals for just these, this amount of people to eat. So don't just get the poor people from the city. Go get into the country and find the redneck poor people and bring those people in too. Okay, go in the country and just find people that aren't busy and have nothing to do and bring them in to my party. The party must happen no matter what on schedule. Okay, so... Um, Things haven't really changed a whole lot since when this was written. Um, 
We, in, this, in the culture this is written, people that were poor or disabled or oppressed had no value because they didn't offer society anything. They couldn't get you a connection. They couldn't get you a kickback. They couldn't get you a good dinner party invitation. Okay? And we might think that, oh, well, things are so much better now. Um, we still treat people like commodities. I hope you understand this. We talked about this today in the Bible study we had earlier this morning. Um, we treat people like they have value if they can offer something as a commodity. Um, now, the Bible says that all people have dignity just because they are here. Like anyone, no matter what, no matter their abilities, no matter their race, no matter their gender, no matter their sexual orientation, it doesn't matter. Everybody has dignity because they were created in God's image. Like you don't give somebody dignity. Like they just have it from being created in God's image. But we treat people like they only have dignity if they are a productive member of society. Okay, so if you get too old and you can't, like, make something happen, then we sort of put you away. If you're disabled and you can't do something for me and you just drain my expenses, we get rid of you. Okay? Maybe we, don't, we make it so that you never can exist in the first place if you're just going to be a drain on society. And so, just like today, the people who actually show up to the party that this guy is showing, this is, you have to get this have absolutely nothing to offer the host. They can't give, they have nothing to give. Um, They can't return his invitation, they can't do him any favors. And you see how Jesus is saying, these are the people that you need to invite. You're bringing people into your life because they can do something for you. Bring people into your life that they're going to make you look like a loser. He turns the whole thing upside down. Why do these people come? Okay, the other guys were busy, they were important, they couldn't come. Why did these people come? They literally had nothing else to do. Like, if you can't walk, and you're on the street, and you are generationally poor, and someone invites you to a party, you can't be like, well, let me check my day planner. Like, literally, you were, like, none of these guys woke up this morning, they were like, well, I'm probably going to get that Evite to that sweet party on Oak Street tonight. So I want to wait and make sure that thing doesn't come through before I accept your invitation to your banquet. Nobody that came to the party woke up that morning thinking, I'm going to go to a banquet today. It would have been the furthest thing from their mind. They come just because they were available. Um, this American Life, which is a great uh, radio show that I encourage you to listen to. They used to have a TV show. It's on Netflix. It's not great, um, I'll be honest. But I was watching this episode the other day with my wife, the attractive woman that just left with the children. And um, there was this cool story about this guy in Utah. And uh, he's a Mormon guy. And he's a painter. And he was painting these really beautiful scenes of Jesus' life. But this is something I learned. Apparently in the LDS church, in the Mormon church, it's not cool to have facial hair. Like, you can't have, like, a big beard. I did not know that. Um, so he's trying to paint these pictures of dudes with big beards because everybody in Jesus' day, of course, would have had a big, awesome beard. And, um, but he can't get any people in the church to pose for him because they don't have beards. You catch what I'm saying here? So the only people that he can get to pose for his paintings are literally people that are outcasts from society. Like, if you live in Utah and you have a beard... You're sort of making a statement like, I'm not in the in crowd, okay? 
The guys that he gets, they're like, he's just literally walking around like by train tracks, like meeting people like hippies, they're like off the grid, um, like homeless guys, like this one like metalhead dude that like drinks a lot, has a bunch of tattoos, he's like, you would be a fantastic Matthew, why don't you come uh, be a And literally he has them pose like, like the crucifixion scene with like the disciples and Judas and everything. And these are people that have been cast out of society. They've been excommunicated from the Mormon church. They are totally outside or they've excommunicated themselves and said, you burn me. I'm not going back. I'm putting myself on the margin or I've been put to the margin. And somehow these are the ones that are posing as Matthew and John and Peter and Jesus. And the reason is because they were available they get, they get to be brought into this wonderful, beautiful thing just because they didn't have something better going for them because they were outcast in society. So these guys come to the party because they don't have anything. They have no options. Um, but how do they come? And this is what's really, really interesting to me. If you look in the passage, when he, he doesn't, the master doesn't say, go out and invite these people. Like the fancy people, fancy pants people, they got invitations. These guys, he says, go out. Um, let's do, 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 do. He says, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor. And then he says, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come. Like, make it hard for them to refuse. Like, literally say, like, okay, guys, like, we're going. Come on, let's go. They have to be compelled. They never would have accepted an invitation because they could not reciprocate the invitation. They couldn't invite them back because they don't have a house. And so culturally, they would have had to say no. They would have had to say, I'm honored, but no, because I can't do the thing that's expected. So this guy literally has to go out and compel them to come because there's no way this party could possibly be for them. So they have to be brought in. It's too good to be true. And this is how grace works. For poor people, it sounds too good to be true. Um, Tim Keller, who's a pastor that I respect, is in my denomination. He really helped me. Uh, I was listening. He didn't help me personally. He doesn't know me, of course. Um, but uh, I was listening to him teach on this passage. And he said, look, there's, basically, there's, there's only two kinds of people in the world. There's people, you ever hear Jesus, Jesus say, blessed are the poor in spirit? You guys ever heard that? Yeah. He said, there's two kinds of people. There's the poor in spirit, and then there's the middle class in spirit. Okay? The middle class in spirit go, a lot of us came from middle class backgrounds, so we, we kind of are, like, in America, it's like, even if you're not middle class, you still, like, try to, like, play it off like you're middle class, because it feels like, you know, humble to be middle class. So a middle class in spirit, in spirit person would say, like, well, I mean, I'm not perfect. I got a lot of problems. But, you know, like, I'm not terrible. Like, there's worse. I got a little bit. And I work hard to get what I got. And, like, God's not going to give me, like, a mansion. He's not going to get like give me a huge feast. But he's not. He's going to, like, probably give me something. There's going to be something there for me. But the poor in spirit goes, you know what? Even the stuff I did that was, like, it seemed good was really, I was just trying to make God like me. I was trying to impress people. I was manipulating somebody. And even the stuff that looked good, it's just rags, man. 
It's just a bunch of trash that I'm pushing around. And like, it might be valuable to me, but at the end of the day, I don't bring a whole lot to the equation. And when the, when the invitation to the ultimate dinner party comes, the middle class in spirit goes, yeah, I mean, we'll see. And the poor in spirit goes, there's no way that could possibly be for me. And God has to bring us in to his party because grace doesn't make sense. Grace is not like an operation that you would figure out like, well, if I was going to do a religion, it would probably look like this. You know, like the guy that's God totally goes like, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to set that aside and I'm going to be born to an unwed mother. That's what I'll do. And when I come out, I'll just be put where, where animals eat. That'd be good. And, you know, that like the stepfather of, of this Messiah would like, have no connections and not even be his real dad. Um, or that he would be poor. Um, or that every opportunity for him to get ahead spiritually, he would, he would spurn, he would reject it, he would live as a homeless man, and then he would die. Like, mostly forgotten, but those who didn't forget him despised him. And he would die on a trash heap outside of town. That doesn't make sense. And yet it's by Jesus' work of lowering himself that he welcomes us into a banquet. Because we can't get there. We're never going to accept, accept this invitation. And Jesus compels us to come. He says, everything's prepared. I've opened everything for you. I will come to you on the edge of town and go, this is the best party you're ever going to go to. You must come. Don't miss it. The poor in spirit will go in, and the middle class in spirit might go in unless something better comes up. Um, And I hope that through this, you're beginning to see why serving the poor is so magical and beautiful and such a Christian thing to do. Um, Because Jesus says when you invite the poor into your house, when you care for someone that can't give you something back, you're getting a glimpse at how God treats you. Um. That those people that are poor materially and are disabled physically and mentally, that they show you what's inside. Because we live with a tension, right? Most of you guys that do well, like that you have things, and you live with a tension where you go, everything looks okay out here, but inside it feels different. And people that don't have, don't live with that tension. They, don't, they wouldn't say like, everything's okay, but inside I'm a mess. They're just like, I'm just a mess. Everything's just a mess. And um, Jesus is saying, when you welcome these people into your life, they're teaching you what it looks like to be dependent on someone else's grace. Mark Twain, who is not a Christian, um, has a great quote about heaven. And he says, uh, you know, heaven goes by favor, which is another word for grace, right? Heaven goes by favor. If it went by merit, you would stay out and your dog would go in. You get that? It goes by grace. If it went by merit, you would stay out and your dog would get in because your dog is actually a more loving, merit-receiving person than you are. And I know a lot of you guys want to serve the poor, 
And let me say, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus loves that impulse for you to serve poor people. My question for you, for any of us that want to serve the poor, is do we want to serve the poor so that we feel like a good, big-hearted person? Or do we want to serve the poor because we understand that I'm fundamentally incomplete without this poor person in my life? Because I can't understand what it looks like to be dependent unless I see this person living in dependence. Because if you serve somebody so they'll give you something, you will always resent them. But if you recognize these people have something to teach me, socially awkward people that can't get ahead have something to teach me about how I come to God and yet he still receives me. Um, God's grace will not make sense to you until you see this. Until you go on Sunday with Rebecca to Hospitality House and serve people that they didn't just get poor because they're stupid. They can't get out of poverty. And to understand, yes, like that's what's, that's me. You go with Trevor tomorrow from one to six to Green Street Catering to help care for people that need you because you need them. Because you and I need to learn how to simply receive God's gift. Um, to come into the party. And this is the last thing I'm going to say. I'm also hoping that you're seeing why excluding somebody from this party based on who they are or what they do, is so antithetical to the gospel. Middle class and spirit people say, well, that person misuses sex, that person misuses alcohol, that person doesn't look right, that person doesn't talk right. Probably when they get stuff just a little bit cleaned up, then they can come in. And the poor in spirit says, yes, I know exactly what you're going through. And I got brought in. Would you like to come? Um, And if you came tonight, and at some point you felt excluded from Christians, or from the church, or from RUF, and yet you're still here, thank you for being brave. And teaching us courage. There is a banquet that is prepared for us. Only the poor will go in. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you have given grace upon grace upon grace. Lord, we need to learn how to love. Uh, John Perkins said, we don't give people dignity. We affirm dignity that people have. Lord, we need each other. We need people that can't give us something in in return. Um, Lord, would you help us to see opportunities um, to learn your gospel from those that need grace and that, Lord, you would humble us and that we would come in, that we would come into your joy, that we would experience your table. Lord Jesus, come quickly that we will know what it is like to sit at table with you and see your smile and experience your joy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.